Once again, I'm grateful to, to be with you guys this morning, and it uh, feels like coming home. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's really a joy for Megan and I to be able to, to be here again this week, and I uh, we'll look forward to doing so again in a couple weeks. Um, for those who, again, who might be new, just a little bit uh, of our history. So that was us in 1994, just before we were married, and uh, so, yeah, a little bit more hair. That's right. idea. Yeah, yeah, let's not go off on that right now, okay? And uh, <laughs> and then uh, soon after, uh, we uh, had two lovely boys, uh, Josh and Ethan. And uh, you might remember them from uh, those days there. And uh, But now they're a little bit older, a little bit bigger. And uh, so this is a family portrait from, uh, yeah, uh, last spring. So Josh is uh, our oldest. He's at the Urban Abbey. It's a sister church of ours in Thunder Bay. And uh, he's serving there, uh, particularly helping manage the coffee shop that's associated with the church. It's, it's a means of them uh, raising funds for the ministry that they do. And then Ethan, our youngest, is 20 years of age. Uh, this last summer, he spent some time at Rockridge Canyon uh, in the bakery. So, and for some of you know, my father was a baker, so Grandpa was super proud. And, uh, but he, uh, he met a lovely lady there, and uh, she's from Kelowna. And so Ethan recently moved to Kelowna to follow her. He's, uh, he's working there right now, and, uh, and he's also helping in Young Life. So, um, you know, I think it's the girl, not the Young Life, but uh, we're, we're really, <laughs> but we're really pleased for him. And uh, yeah, so, so we're moving into a time of empty nesters, which is in, a, in and of itself very interesting, but, uh, but good. Um, before getting to know Megan and this church family way back in 1994, uh, I came to faith in the Christian Reformed Church and through the care and witness of my own family as well. And uh, during that time, in my early 20s, I began to volunteer with youth, uh, volunteer leader with the youth group there at that church. And during the first few years, I was uh, working with the Soma Sawmill. So I saw Ron, Ron, where's Ron? I saw Ron's at the back there, but he's wearing his, his proud uh, Somas jacket there, anyways. And I think Roger was there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, it was a good job. It was good pay, good benefits. And I enjoyed that for three years. And then my brother Mike came along and ruined everything. Well, okay, he didn't ruin everything. But he came with this idea. My brother Mike was at college at the time, and, uh, and he had worked in the summer for college pro painters. He's like, oh, you know what, Dave, we should start our own business. We can make a lot of money at this and all this kind of stuff. And starts, you know, if you know my brother Mikey's big dreams and we could change the world and it doesn't matter what you're doing, if we're painting or planting a church or whatever, you know, so everything's going to be awesome. And I just kind of laughed, actually, at first. I just said, well, you know, like, there's no way that this is going to compare to the wage that I'm making, the benefits that I'm receiving. And, um, and so I just kind of laughed it off at first. But then I just felt, you know, the spirit began to, to stir in me. And for me, it was kind of just bringing certain things to mind. Like, well, working in the sawmill meant that I was doing half of the year I was doing afternoon shifts. So working 4 till 1 in the morning, 4.30 till 1 in the morning. And uh, which means that it's not a really good time. For, it's not really good for doing youth work because they're available in the afternoons and evenings. And uh, and then I began to think, too, you know, if you own your own business, you don't have tons of flexibility, but you do have some flexibility in terms of your work hours, which means you can accommodate some of the other things that maybe you might need to do. And over, it uh, wasn't too long of a time, I started to get a sense that maybe God was in this and that uh, rather than just another great idea from my brother Mike, 
that Mike's offer might be part of the way that God was speaking to me and, and leading me to in a different direction. And it eventually led to a deep conviction that it was the right thing to do. And I still remember going into the mill personnel office and I was just nervous as heck because I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I can't go tell this guy, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm quitting and I'm starting my own business and I've never painted in my life. you know, <laughs> So I, I know nothing. Um, but it was the first step towards, you know, a significant directional change and vocational change where I did, you know, as eight years as a volunteer and 12 years as, as a supported uh, youth worker, both in this church and with Young Life and Port Alberni on the West Coast. And it was a redirection in terms of my adventure of following Jesus and being shaped by him. And in our reading this morning, we heard uh, the call of Abraham. And we heard uh, these, I think, really three things come out to me in terms of how God commonly works in and through our lives. This idea of leaving, of following, and then of shaping or making. So as we can see on the screen, the Lord said to Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your people and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. I find it's very similar to what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If I say, uh, Carol, come to me, she has to leave her seat. And then following, and then Jesus actually making the disciples into something that they were not yet. It's based on a promise that I'm going to shape you and change you into some, somebody, something else. And God's intent on shaping us to, to be more like himself. The Apostle Paul says this. He says that, he, that God's desire is that we would be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. And as he does that, as he shapes us, he also shapes the world. Because whatever God want, does to us, he wants to do through us in the world. The blessing, as we read, that Abraham receives is a blessing that is actually meant to be uh, shared with the world. It's through him and his offspring that all the nations of the world will be blessed. It's the reason, actually, that we're here today. And in our culture, I think oftentimes we tend to celebrate radical change. Uh, you know, it's weight loss, you know, hundreds of pounds or rags to riches or even in terms of uh, testimonies and stuff like that. We uh, have the uh, one of the, I think, the guitar player uh, from Corn, Brian Head Welsh, and you know, and we promote these amazing testimonies, these radical changes in people's lives, and and God does often call us to radical change, and it does absolutely occur. I don't want to diminish that. I'm sure that even as we heard this morning, I mean, there is radical change that God in, does in our lives, where He sets us on a new path, and um, and so we celebrate that. But I think it's often far more common that God leads us to give up one thing at a time. He makes us into something and someone new one step at a time. Uh, we know that uh, under John's leadership that uh, one of his favorite words is it's a process. And in fact, I think that's what we see in Abraham's life. Uh, he says to leave your country. You know, the general physical location, uh, you know, maybe it's your house. One to the, it's just, it's kind of general. Then he says, uh, I want you to leave your people, maybe the neighbors and the co-workers and, and friends that you have. And he says, I want you to leave your father's household, maybe 
this call to, to leave the things that are most dear to us. But I think it's, it's a process. It's now, sometimes God will call us to an abandonment of, of a whole bunch of things all at once, and he sets us off in a new direction. But more often, I think he gives us a promise that he invites us to live into. And as we live into that, he leads us on another step, uh, another leaving, uh, another giving up based on his promises. Now, in Acts chapter 7, there's a fellow by the name of Stephen. And he's one of the first martyrs of the church. And he is giving testimony uh, to Jesus. And he begins by recounting the story of Israel. And in Acts chapter 7, it says, As brothers and fathers, I want you to listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. He said, Leave your country and your people, and God said, And go to the land that I will show you. And so he left the land of the Chaldeans, then he settled in Haran. And after the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. Now, I was, I was reading this, and I was a little bit confused because Abraham goes partway. He receives the call of God where he's living, and then he goes partway and settles in Haran until his parents pass away, and then he continues uh, to the promised land. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus is talking about following him. It says this, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is just alerting him to the cost. But then another disciple said to him, Lord, First let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And I, and I wondered, like, why is Abraham on the one hand celebrated for his journey, which includes a stopover in Haran until his father's death, and then Jesus comes to this person and they're told to get on with it, regardless of the cost to the family. Is God being inconsistent? I don't believe he is because the call to Abraham as it is to those disciples and as it is to us is to follow. Following, uh, I think, is not just about activity. Following isn't necessarily just doing what others are doing and replicating it over and over ad nauseum. Following is about obedience. Following is about faithfulness to God's leading in the here and now. So sometimes following or to obey means to stay and bless your family. So for Abraham, it was staying with his father until he passed away. Um, we read of in the Gospels where Jesus heals a demon-possessed man, and this man's life is radically changed. And so he wants to follow Jesus, and, he's, and he begs uh, to go with him. And Jesus says this. He says, no, I want you to go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So his following is actually to stay. But then there are other times when to follow means leaving your family and your friends. And so we have that when Jesus calls the disciples. He, he calls them to follow him. And it says here that, that immediately the disciples uh, left their nets and followed him. And then he went a little bit further and he sees uh, James and his brother John and they're fishing with their dad. And, 
And without delay, Jesus called them, and it says here that they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and immediately followed him. I, I can't imagine what that would be like for the dad. <laughs> We're just in the middle of work, and you just leave me here. So sometimes it means to stay. Sometimes it means to go. Sometimes it means move now. Sometimes it means, as it did even for Jesus, to wait. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that Jesus waited 30 years uh, before his actual ministry started. Or the Apostle Paul maybe waiting 14 years before he really he, he had received the call of God, the promise of God on his life. And then he's like gone 14 years before his ministry really begins. And I think these kinds of interruptions can be frustrating. I know uh, I, I admit that waiting is often way more difficult than doing. Uh, it can feel useless. It can feel a hindrance. It can feel boring and unfulfilling. But if the primary call is to follow, whatever that means, that helps us along. And, uh, you know, uh, as I shared, we, were, we felt called to, to go to Nanaimo to establish Jericho Road, Port Alberni, just over two years ago. We moved in July 2016. And, uh, and we were blessed to have partnered in ministries with some amazing people over the last two or three years. Uh, a couple decided to participate in another church eventually. Uh, several have kind of remained around the periphery, but uh, just in the last six months from the time of early spring until late summer, uh, and even beyond that, some other families that have come and gone uh, over the last two years, about 14 key people uh, moved away to different communities uh, for work. And, and when you're starting a church, to have that kind of basic core uh, diminished down to uh, kind of two. And uh, I was joking with a colleague of mine today, there's one of that core there that I'm actually really trying to encourage in a, in a particular relationship that if that works out, and I, I believe it will, uh, I'm going to you know, be saying goodbye and sending them to Ontario. <laughs> so Now, this is not a really good church planting growth strategy, right? <laughs> but it is a kingdom strategy <laughs> because we want to see uh, this person uh, grow into what God has for, for him and for, for the one that he's in relationship with. So, but for part of the challenge has been for, for Megan and I in this in this uh, summer and fall is to okay so what's next and to um, I have to say at various times it's it's tempting to to run and to try to make something happen and, and so I, I have something to feel good about it might not be what God wants but at least I have something that I'm digging my hands into and see look this is what's happening in the Nimo and. Uh, I have to, that, that is tough. Um, but I'm learning to wait. I'm waiting for clarity and waiting for who's God bringing to us to minister to, um, regardless of whether they join our church or not, who's God bringing into our lives. And also identifying those who we might be able to build with. And um, I came across this uh, quote by Eugene Peterson. Some of you have read the Message Bible translation. Others maybe have heard him speak or, or some of his writings. He's, he recently passed away. But in his book, uh, The Jesus Way, he wrote this. He said, The way of Jesus cannot be imposed or mapped. 
It requires an active participation in following Jesus as he leads us through sometimes strange and unfamiliar territory in circumstances that become clear only in the hesitations and the questionings in the pauses and the reflections where we engage in prayerful conversation with one another and with him. And so I have to remind myself, and I don't know if you have to do this in your own life, but sometimes faithfulness is measured by doing what God asks and following as he leads. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily just mean moving. It means waiting. And I think, too, it's that success isn't always measured by what's necessarily happening in, in the moment, but what happens in us and through us over a lifetime that impacts succeeding generations. When we read in Genesis chapter 12, as Barbara read for us this morning, it says this, that um, so Abraham left, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left. And, uh, and he traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. And the Lord appeared to Abram and he said this. He says, to your offspring I will give this land. Abram arrives in Canaan, the place that God has called him to and promised to him. But what does Abraham receive? He receives a promise. And it is kind of a promise for him, but actually it's a promise for future generations. For those who would come after him, it's for his descendants. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, and as did Isaac, his son, and Jacob, his grandson, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. All these people, it says, were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. I think this is a huge challenge. It's, you know, are we willing to be faithful with God, with what God presents for us to do today, recognizing that we may not actually see it come to fruition in our own lifetime? You know, when, you know, some some of the stories of this church are, are, are beautiful in, in the things that have come to fruition thus far. There have been some amazing things in the reconciliation and the growth and the transformation in personal lives in this church building and all sorts of different ministries. Things have been fulfilled. But there are things that God is calling you and I to do today to be faithful to him, to follow him, that may not bear fruit in this present moment. We may not see it come to full fruition. But those important, those faithful steps are still important for us to embrace today. And, and we see this all the time in just our regular lives, right? Finances. Oh, man, it sucks to put money into my RSP because I want to do something fun today. Or maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's date night, and I'm not feeling like it's date night or buying flowers or whatever, but that little investment in the relationship is going to go a long way in the future, right? <laughs> I was sharing this with some university students at uh, BIU, and I could see this little girl, <laughs> this young lady beside her boyfriend. Just don't forget that. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> but it's true, right? Those little investments in the relationship bear fruit over the long term. We know it in sports. I don't feel like going to practice. It's raining and I'm tired. 
but you go to practice and suddenly you become skilled at the sport that you're you're doing and it's the same thing for us spiritually the things that we invest in uh, personally and corporately in terms of prayer in terms of worship uh, in terms of confessing and, and praying with one or two others that we're in relationship with it's not always fun it don't always feel like it but those are things that sow into our lives in such a way that they bear fruit in the future and this is what we see in Abraham's life he's you know, we know, well, some of us might know that later on in this story, God gives him this promise that he is going to bear a son and that he will make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. It's unfathomable, really, how great his descendants will be. And if you look at the world population and you consider those who are Jews who consider their lineage and faith from to be from Abraham and Christians and Muslims as well. But if you just consider those numbers, over half of the world's population traces their faith lineage to Abraham. Billions of people in this present age find their faith heritage in him. That doesn't count all the ones that have come before us. I wonder what Abraham, now in heaven with God, just thinks, my goodness, the fruitfulness that I could never, I could hardly see my son Isaac coming. <laughs> and uh, billions. So Abraham reminds us of that fruitfulness and that obeying now for an unknown but blessed future is what God calls us to. And so for us, what does that look like for us today? What does leaving, following, and shaping I mean, both for us personally, but also as a church. And uh, after the leadership weekend that was held in June, uh, a number of us were there at Cape Array Bible Camp on Thetis Island. Lynn uh, Burnett brought up some of the things that we had shared together and that we felt God was calling us uh, to leave behind in this time of transition, what we might watch out for, things that might trip us up or maybe cause us to sit, sink or trip, or maybe tip, tip the boat and also things that we would also want to take with us. And Sarah Williams painted a wonderful picture depict, depicting those things and you see that in the foyer. And uh, as we think about leaving, as we think about embarking on this new phase of life as a church, I wonder what are the things that God is asking you to perhaps leave behind. Can you go back to the previous uh, previous one? So these were some of the things that were noted. Rigidity, being stiff-necked, anger, bitterness, negativity, control, unforgiveness, fear, pride, gossip. Let's take a look at that list. What, what are, what, maybe just identify one or two things that um, in your life that you might feel God is asking you to leave behind as you go into this new phase. And not just your, this phase as a church, but maybe even in your own life. God is asking you to leave behind something. Or as we follow Jesus, which of these rocks might trip us up? Discord. Friction. Division. Apathy. No leadership. No direction. Maybe just indifference. 
in your next step of following Jesus as an individual and as a church? What rock do you just you just got to toss right out of the boat? And lastly, in terms of as we move into this new season, what kind of values or character traits do you want to bring with you? What are the things that you would ask God to shape in you maybe in a new way in this new season? How will the word of God and the spirit in prayer begin to form your life maybe in a new way? What kind of love is God asking you to express? The courage or the flexibility, the open-mindedness, inclusiveness, all these different things that are listed. Just take a look at that. I think these are all things that God wants to shape into each of our lives. He does it not only for us, as I said earlier, the things that God wants to do to us, he wants to do through us. So as he begins to shape us individually, he will also then begin to shape our life corporately by those same values, those same character traits, and beyond our church, in our daily lives. Those things will begin to spill out and bear fruit in new ways. And as we uh, come to communion, I was, I was thinking about this, the journey that Jesus himself took that Paul reminds us of in Philippians chapter 2. Because I, I see a lot of the same themes here for Jesus, this leaving, this following of obedience to what the Father has. And then this, the shaping, the exaltation of Jesus. It says this in Philippians chapter 2. It says, this is what your attitude should be like. It should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to. This is mine. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father it's, it's my prayer that as not just in terms of this, this time of transition as a church but that for each one of us in our lives that we would be open to the journey that God would take us on. Uh, the promised land that he would lead us into. And that we would journey in such a way that we would take that same shape that Jesus took. I always find that that, that picture of a necklace is just such a, uh, with a cross on it is such a helpful reminder because it is both a descent into the death of Christ and the exaltation that God gives him. Uh, because of his obedience and sacrifice. And I believe that, it, that what is true for Jesus in that way is also true for us. That as we humble ourselves and become obedient and, and follow God into the things that he has called us to, the sacrifice, whatever it is, the, the death of which may occur, is always with uh, the hope of resurrection and exaltation. And so this is what we celebrate as we come to communion together.